Welcome back to Season 4 of Building Better Basketball. I'm Neil Gray, Game Development Manager at Basketball Australia, and I'm lucky enough today to be joined by Tyrone Thwaites from the Coburn Basketball Association in Western Australia. Coburn are an association with 336 teams, the largest Aussie Hoops program in Australia for two years running, and home to a Women's NBL 1 Championship side and an NBL 1 Coach of the Year, who also happens to be their Chief Executive Officer. No prizes for guessing, that's Tyrone. Welcome to Building Better Basketball, Tyrone. Can you, I guess as an introduction to our listeners, just give a, a brief overview of Coburn Basketball's history and, and mission, and I suppose a little bit about you and how you became involved with Coburn and, and rose to the position of CEO? Sure, absolutely, and and thanks for having me, Neil. I, I really appreciate it. Look, I... um. I personally have been at the club uh, in my role for six, nearly nearly six years now, um, since the end of 2017. Uh, I think we're nearly bang on six years. Um, look, the club's been around since uh, 1972. We celebrated our 50 year anniversary uh, back in 2022. Um, and has a really rich history. Um, one of the earliest um, associations in Western Australia. And I think actually the first um, stadium, indoor stadium um, outside of, um, you know, the State Basketball Centre at the time was certainly the first one south of the river as well. Um, really significant history, that one that we're very, very proud of. Um, I actually, I live locally in Coburn and I grew up um, playing domestic basketball here against the likes of um, Alan Eric, uh, not against, being coached by Alan Erickson and Grant Davey, who are, who are now legends of our club and, and legends of our league. Um, and um, to be fortunate enough to be in a position where I get to, you know, play a part in uh, moving the club forward as CEO is is something I'm very grateful for. It's been a weird journey. I certainly didn't anticipate ending up in sports admin um, with a prior life in, in radio and podiatry of all things. I've had a very random journey, but um, <laughs> very, very uh, proud and honoured to be in the role that I'm in now. That's, uh, I wish we had the time to delve deeper into podiatry and, and how uh, that can be best utilized in the CEO position. We'll, we'll maybe do that in a, in a spinoff, Tyrone. <laughs> Coburn are obviously, at least in, in my world, best known as you guys are the highest participation center for Aussie Hoops in uh, Australia and, and one of the key early adopters with Ford in the in our recent partnership initiative. But that's obviously one small part of the introductory part of what Coburn do. What are some of the other key programs initiatives that, that you offer to your basketball players and, and coaches in the community? And I know you pride yourself on the inclusivity and accessibility of your programs for for everyone, regardless of, of skill or uh, background yeah absolutely look we are and, and by the way thank you for um because i haven't actually checked the data on on where we sit nationally from an aussie hoops point of view for, for you to reaffirm that we're the largest center still nationally that makes me feel pretty good so i'll be ducking downstairs after and letting the staff know about that because i hadn't checked it in a while but um that's good to know we're still uh, maintaining our position there but look um look i guess the first thing to 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 say up front when it comes to, to programs and, and how we operate is, um, is we're not perfect um, and we don't do everything. Um, and we acknowledge that we can't be everything to everyone. Um, and there's some elements where 
we've acknowledged that we've got a way to go, um, and particularly in the inclusivity space. And, and I think that's a really good mindset to have is that you you can never really be inclusive enough um, because it keeps sort of ticking you along to to want to generate um, new programs and and have new ideas and, and move in new directions. So look at our end. Um, obviously, Aussie Hoops is something we're very proud of. And, um, you know, it, it, our Aussie Hoops programs, while we don't have, as an example, um, a dedicated um, inclusive Aussie Hoops program, our Aussie Hoops program in, in itself is inclusive. Um, you know, I've watched our, our coaches deal with with kids come in with, um, uh, you know, different behavioural challenges. Um, they might come in with, um, I, I know we've had a couple of kids who've come through who are, who are a little bit hard of hearing and, and to watch our coaches navigate that beautifully um, in and amongst, um, you know, what can be quite a chaotic environment with, with young kids um, is really exciting. And I guess that's something we pride ourselves on is, is trying to integrate as much we can inclusivity inside our already existing programs without having to, um, dip outside the, the norm too often um, and, and create 8 million programs when we go, well, you know what, we can we can get a whole bunch of participation into what we do um, by by equipping our coaches the right way. Um, and again, as I said, we're by no means perfect. And we have, your, you know, your normal programs from like three to five-year-olds, you know, Aussie Hoops kids. Uh, we, we really pride ourselves on the moment with a, we've got a massive constraint in the facility space to actually have what we call Cougar domestic development. We acknowledge that the majority of our domestic clubs can't actually train because they don't have the space to do it. So we're creating um, a program that runs for our domestic kids so they can essentially upskill themselves, which kind of fills a need for our community, but also, you know, it's an upside for us from a business sense um, as well. Uh, we run a Cougar Pride program, which is our sub-elite program, which is our kids um, that sort of are on that journey to MBO one um, And it's a, it's a program we're really proud of because it is... Um, very holistic in, in, in our approach. We basically are looking for kids. Um, we're looking to educate them on and off the court. It's not just about saying, hey, are, you know, are you are you good enough to play NBL one in 12 months time? It's about saying, hey, you know, you may not you may not even get there, but you know, are we going to impact impact your life a little bit along the way? So um, look, I wouldn't say that we do necessarily any real programs that are significantly um, unique, um, but we try to build inclusivity um into everything that we do, if that makes sense. With the development that you talked about, obviously hand in hand with the player development and the player pathway has to come the the coaches. And obviously you guys are covering quite a, a wide volume of potential participants. So you yep. need the coaches to support that participation growth that you have as well. How do you... Uh, I, obviously, as the CEO, you won't be able to have the hands-on, but I think this is a unique opportunity for the coaches that are listening to this to get an understanding, I suppose, there every time they look to move up the, the ladder of coach development, they'll have to understand the business of basketball a little bit as well. So whilst you'll want uh, the whole program to hum holistically, there's going to be that development of coaches alongside it that will be happening in the background. The coaches that are per perhaps looking to move up to that bigger association level or challenge themselves to progress to NBL one and, and beyond. What's the Coburn basketball coach development support system look like? Well, look, it's something we're really proud of. Uh, I think we're very fortunate that we've got a number of key mentors at our club who are, 
um, very, very experienced and on the same wavelength as us. Um, you know, well, I mean, they are part of us, but um, Andy Stewart is one of those. Andy Stewart is a you know two-time WNBL coach of the year with the Perth Lynx and um, has been with us for seven, eight years. He runs our Cougar Pride program, does a lot of work with our um, with our wobble coaches, um, and I guess by extension helps develop our program staff um, who impact our, our domestic competition. Now, uh, Mark Clayton is another one who's a former state coach here, currently our men's NBL one head coach. Um, who, and those two sort of really set the tone for what we do with our coaches at the club. I think um, I think the key thing for us is we really try to foster a mindset of community inside our coaches. Um, it's not like, like, like our big thing, if we talk to parents all the time and we, there's two things we say to them. We say that, you know, the, the, the trophies and, and the winning and, and, and that part of, of basketball, particularly at representative level, that's a byproduct of everything else that we do. It's not the thing that we chase. It's, it's the outcome that we get, uh, you know, which is nice um, as a result of everything else we do. And the other thing we tell parents is, is we tell the parents that our coaches are more important than your kids. Um, which can be quite a brutal statement, but we're of the view that if we don't look after our coaches, we're going to end up with parents bitching and moaning anyway. So um, we make it very clear to them that, that our priority is to look after our coaches, which are in turn going to look after your kids, particularly if they, you know, our coaches are fully buying into who we are as a club. Our culture is really important to us as well. We, we um, a lot of people will talk about culture. Um, and I think sometimes people don't have a full understanding of what that means and what that looks like. Um, and equally, um, a lot of people will talk about it, but they won't walk the walk. Um, we're really big on that. Again, we're not perfect and we get a lot of stuff wrong, but every time we do, you know, take a step in the wrong direction, whether it's me or, or somebody else, um, I'd like to think we're pretty self-reflective and, and we shift and we pivot and we listen and we learn. So I guess sorry, that's a really broad statement to your, your question around coaches, but I think the key thing for us in our, in our coach development is one, that they're a priority, um, Two, we're having conversation with them. And, and three, there's a massive emphasis on culture and we want to make sure there's some actual behaviours that that um, indicate we're walking the walk, not just talking a big game. Just to pack up, we had uh, the guest on the episode before you was an author who'd written a book titled The, the Parent Problem, uh, which whilst he had a basketball background, he was speaking holistically about the the parent problem in sport, I suppose. And it's something that regularly comes up in, in all discussions with coaches, with administrators, with how have you found from a overarching kind of one step removed from that day-to-day -day involvement with the team and probably only coming across your desk when it reaches critical levels how have you found parent behavior over the last let's say 12 to 18 months is it improving getting worse where, it's, where, it's, where yeah, it? it's, it's, it's a really interesting question and um i've had a few conversations about this and and you know like you try to look beyond your own association and but you don't always get to see that any you know you might see that at a state championships or, or whatever but um, I, I've had some conversations the last 18 months with our, um, with our staff and, and with our development coaches. And I've just said, oh, my, my gut and, and, and a bit of the evidence suggests this is getting worse. Um, and um, part of that is, is, is this unique to us? Uh, we not quite doing something that we should be doing. Um, you know, are we missing something here? Am I imagining this? But um, 
and and again, probably saying it's getting worse is probably not the right way to frame it, but it's evolving. Um, it's definitely changing. Um, the the I guess the the belief system of parents um, is definitely shifting, um, which for us is a big priority. And and we're not we're not where we want to be yet in terms of getting this right. It's a process we're actually going through at the moment, and it takes a long time, but you know education is a really big part for us like we are we we try really hard to get in front of them now and really say hey this is who we are this is how we operate this is what this is how we do things it's not about being a dictatorship but it's about saying hey this is our values and these are the behaviors that underpin that and we're doing a lot of work in that space at the moment but you can't force it it has to happen a little bit more organically as well and you need to be able to point back i'm a big believer in storytelling and you've got to be able to point back to real life examples you don't just say hey we're really inclusive. Um, you've got to point back to real examples as to what that actually looks like in action. Um, so we try to integrate that. We've started integrating that at board level um, into our board meetings. We've started integrating that into um, uh, staff meetings where now we actually really ask staff to present real life examples of um, that they've witnessed of, of people either connecting to our values really effectively and why and or equally what's an example of someone not doing that then we start building this bank of stories that, that we can then convey to other people that we can extrapolate out into our wobble programs into our domestic programs and go hey here's a really good example of what this looks like um so look it's um it's a massive challenge uh, parents are inherently um becoming more challenging um there appears to be in different ways and look, it's really hard. I, I try really hard to not be cynical or judgmental because I don't know what's happening in their world. Um, I'm a big believer of the story I'm telling myself. I try to tell myself another story as well before I, I make a judgment call because it generally is another story on the other side of that. When a coach might be barking at an official, as an example, um, I might be able to also tell myself a story as to what their day might have looked like. doesn't mean the action's okay, but it gives, you know, that, that empathy is really important. So um, it's a massive challenge. I think there's a lack of accountability at the moment. Um, it's, a, it's a big one. Um, you know, there's this, this idea of, well, they can't possibly be doing that. Um, why are they not getting this? Um, there is, it's becoming increasingly common, but unfortunately I don't know how common because generally those voices that are the problem voices shout the loudest. Um, and there's also a lot of really good people doing the right thing. So um, I think it's really important we also shine a light on the people who are really doing the right thing and those really positive stories that we can share um, because then that becomes quite contagious. So There's a lot of uh, takeaways there, Tyrone, that were very similar to the author. So he might he might have a little pamphlet and you yourself in your future. With what you talked about, about understanding the pressures of your local clubs that that feed in to Coburn how do you engage with that community I suppose to make it not feel like you're just kind of sitting there waiting for them to develop the players and then take them kind of thing and actually make it feel like that you're all part of the same basket local basketball community and and how do you see the role of the association and and promoting the sport of basketball in the region. So I, I guess to the point around, you know, trying to make sure that I guess me personally, maybe the board and the staff um, aren't making people feel as though we're just kind of waiting for them to do the job for us. Um, 
another sort of, I guess, um, analogy, I guess, or metaphor, I don't know, like analogy, I guess, probably the best way to describe it is there's a lot of, um, people call it different things. There's a lot of, you know, um, how much time are you spending on the balcony? How much time are you spending on the field? Um, some people talk about it, the balcony versus the dance floor, like there's different analogies for it, but um, oh, that's something I really focus on, certainly from my end, um, from a leadership point of view and, and how I deal with our staff, how I deal with our coaches is, you know, I've got to really spend time deciphering when do I take a step back and get that broad perspective and try and really understand what's going on. Um, and the, the analogy, the dance floor analogy is really good, right? Like, so you look at, you're looking at the dance floor and you're going, when you're sitting on the balcony, you can see who's standing in the corner, not wanting to dance. Um, you can see who are the people, you know, wandering through the dance floor causing trouble. Um, you know, and you can see the people having a really good time. And then, the flip side is when you're on the when you're on the um when you're on the field, you get the detail of that. You really get a, a really good feel of exactly what's happening. But you might miss things. You might not see the people in the corner. You might not see the people filtering through the dance floor. You might be just concerned with your little group. So for me, it's a case of going, when do I jump on the balcony? When do I jump on the field? So I make sure I'm supporting the people to, that that are, are playing important roles for our club. But when do I just need to let things emerge and then deal with them as they occur? Because I think emergence is also a really important word. Um, sometimes you need to provide the environment and let things happen because we live in a very complex world now where it's not as simple as it used to be 20 years ago. So, um, you know, sometimes you need to let things happen um, and, and work through because the answers you might need to actually provide to the problem or um, to the opportunity that presents, um, you might not know the answer until you let that kind of occur to begin with. So, I'm speaking really broadly right now, but that, I think that's a really important skill set for our staff, for our coaches, because that can apply at a team level too, right? Like obviously mine's at an organizational level, but in a team level, how often do you need to dive right in and over-instruct versus take a step back and kind of let things happen and, and, and coach after that point? So um, that's kind of the, the, the framing tool that I use when I'm, when I'm dealing with our community. Um, and your second question was about the role of the um, Yeah, how Paul Barn kind of sees their role in contributing to the, the growth of basketball in the region. I guess it, it leads on to the next question you've talked about a couple of times, self-understanding, realisation of not doing everything perfectly and needing to always be open to regeneration, redevelopment and yep. self-improvement. So the, I guess what is the vision of the future for, for Coburn and some long-term goals or strategic strategic initiatives that you're particularly excited about? So look, I think um, everything that we do should should really link back to who we believe we should be as a club. And, and we talk very frequently about being the third place in people's lives. So we talk about, you know, if you're talking about a child, you're talking about they go, they're at home, they go to school, or what's that third place in their life? Um, you know, we, we want to be that. With adults, you talk about, you know, their home, their workplace and us. So that's sort of how, that's the framing tool we use. And when we're talking about what are our objectives and, and how do we make sure that we're the third place in people's lives. And that means different things at different levels. What that means to an Aussie hoops kid and parent is very different to what it means to our NBL one captain. So um, that's the tool we use when we're sort of setting the, um, our expectations long-term, but equally, you know, our short-term strategic and tactical objectives. So um, I think the, sort of the, the big sort of um, our contribution to the sport and the growth. That's a tricky one sometimes. And I, and I think um, 
And sometimes associations can get caught in the mindset of self-serving um, and, and looking after themselves, which is natural. And that's, that's normal in a lot of organizations. And um, I'm very conscious that when I walk into basketball WA meetings, um, that, that our job is to serve the sport. Um, and sometimes that's not always going to directly serve the association. I mean, I'm not going to advocate for something that's going to make us bankrupt as an example. <laughs> that, not that that would ever occur, but, um, you know, you've you got you to serve the sport first. Um, that's that's certainly my view as a leader. And um, so our role in, you know, in, in the in the growth of the sport is a significant one as it is for all other associations. So I guess that's the mindset we use is, you know, is, is, is consistently how we're going to serve the sport. Um, we don't want to do it to our business detriment because if our business suffers, well, then we're not going to be able to serve the sport anyway. So it's a fine balance. Um, and then I guess finally around, you know, strategic initiatives for us, like we're, we've got an impending redevelopment coming our way um, at the moment where in terms of facilities and size in the metropolitan region, of the associations that have a home, there's one association that doesn't at the moment and they're probably basketball WA's number one priority. Outside of that, um, we have the smallest facility. So we only have a four court facility and, and we operate out of a lot of other facilities as well. So our impending redevelopment, which we suspect will be quite a large one, um, will be coming in the next, you know, the little election in 2025. So the next 12 months is really important for us. Um, that's a big part of us. So we're, you know, we're talking at the moment about you know, what is that? What is it? What do we look like in five years time? What does our business model look like? Um, what does our people look like? You know, where do, do we need to invest now? And, and the tricky part is when you're talking about a redevelopment, you need to save coin to, to invest on the, you know, the internal infrastructure, even if the state and feds and local look after the building, you know, we've got to look after what are we going to invest into it. But at the same time, we need to have our people ready for that. We might need to grow our people. And that actually is contradictory. So you need to save the money to actually invest into the structure, but you need to spend money um, to look after your people. So they're those sort of contradictory, paradoxical um, conversations we're having at the moment. Or, uh, but it's also a really exciting one, right? Like you, you want to talk about, if you're talking about an eight to 12 court facility, that's a really exciting conversation to have. And these are, these are fun problems to have rather than uh, dealing with a 40-year-old stadium like we are now. So final question, Tyrone, but leading on from what you just spoke about there, and again, sometimes people that are coaches listening to this might be young and very early in their sporting journey and might yep. end up pivoting away from coaching and, and move into administration within a basketball organization or a director of coaching, which is more of a, a management role than an actual yep. uh, role with people. In your role as, as CEO and, and looking forward, I suppose, with what you're talking about, about building your your staff out, what are, what's some advice you have, I suppose, for basketball coaches who are looking to make that step up? And what are the specific qualities and skills that you believe are, are crucial for, for success? Yeah, it's a great one. And I think I reflect on my own journey to learn where I didn't quite get it right. Um, and that plays a big part in shaping, I guess, what I look for now. And I think one of the key things I did do right, uh, and I guess I've been drawing on my own experience, is I surrounded myself with great people, um, great mentors, and people who will hold me to account and challenge me where required, but also support as I needed. So it's very easy as a young coach, when you get exposed, you get opportunity. Um and I did, I got, I got a lot of opportunity early. I think I coached the state team at 22 or 23. I was coaching the 16 Metro boys in, in WA. Um, 
I was a super ambitious coach and, and I thought I was pretty good, but I also had, you know, and, and we won a bronze medal. So, you know, that validated my mindset at the time and, and that doesn't happen too much in WA. So, um, but I look back now and I go, oh, I had Wani Suaka, Luke Travers and, and Luke Jackson. So I reckon that they had a fair bit to do with it. Um, so, you know, I look back now and I go, I had great people that kept me grounded. Um, I wasn't perfectly grounded, but I look back now and I go, I've only really started to figure out who I am as a coach now. And probably the last couple of years, so I'm 32 and you know, probably the last three, four years, um, I've really started to figure out my philosophy, who I am. So I think surrounding yourself with great people is a really, really important point. And they need to be able to challenge you and you need to be able to hear that information, process that information and then make a decision. And having a growth mindset is a really big part of that. If you're like, yeah, I want a mentor, I want to be challenged, and then you don't want to hear what I have to say, it's going to be completely invalid. So I think having great people around you, having a growth mindset, um, being ambitious, and, and there's nothing wrong with being you know, crazy ambitious, but you've got to be patient. Um, and patience doesn't mean that you just, I, I hate the idea of, oh, you just got to pay your dues. Like, that's not a thing. Like, if you're good enough, you're good enough. Um, and that's how I work in the workplace as well. I got a 20 year old that work walks in here and he's, he's a stud, like from a, from a, you know, a staff point of view, I'll take him for makes sense. You know um, I, I think it's really important that you have an element of patience. So, because there are some things that time takes care of um, philosophy is one of those being exposed to different people. You, you, you can't establish your basketball philosophy in two years. You just can't, you just, you just don't have enough information to be able to do that. Um, so I think there's an element of patience. There's nothing wrong with being ambitious, but you've got to go, Hey, I need to suck as much information from people as I can. I think some coaches um, can become, and it's natural, um, can become quite defensive and, and, and don't want to take information on board. Like even people I don't think, and there's not too many of them, but there's people I don't think are outstanding coaches or provide the greatest advice. I'm going to listen to that information and go, what am I learning from this? Um, there might be nothing. Um, but I'm always going to go. My big thing with the NBL one girls is I may not always agree with what you have to say, but I'm going to listen and I'm going to process it. And then I'm going to do something with that information. Now you might not like the outcome, but you might love the outcome, but I'm always going to listen and process information. And I think that's a really important skill as a coach. Um, on the women's side, it's, it's been a really good thing for us is they know that they can, they can speak. I will always listen. And then I'm going to make a decision or, or, and, and provide an outcome off the back of it. Um, but they always know they're going to be heard. So um, I assume there's a bit in that. Um, I'm assuming they can rewind and, and hear a bit of that, but I think growth mindset, surrounding yourself with great people, being ambitious and, and not being prepared to be patient, um, is a really important skill. Tyrone, thank you so much for your time today. I look forward to when I get up to WA next year, catching up face-to-face -face and Absolutely. seeing all the great work that Coburn are doing. Thanks for your time today, mate. Thank you, Neil.